Hey, let's talk about synth seriously fans. It's Mark here from the Inside the Mix podcast. It's the podcast where I talk to your favorite synth music artists and mix engineers about music production, mixing, and songwriting. Check out episode 54 where synth pop and synthwave musician Michael Oakley and I discuss how to get started as a music producer. You're listening to the Let's Talk About Synth Seriously podcast. Here's your host, UAP Retro Synth. Hi, it's UAP. Welcome to episode number six of Let's Talk Synth Seriously. So you listen to the sixth episode, so that means our podcast is now half a year old. Yeah, first um, half birthday. Okay, so in this podcast, you'll get detailed interviews with your favorite artists and other interesting people from the synthesizer-driven music scene. And if you're into genres like synthwave, retrowave, synthpop, or related styles, this show's the right show for you. We're not talking much about 80s, 90s pop culture, but we're talking gear, studio equipment, advices for producers from the artists themselves, and also about developments in the scene. So if you're a synth music producer yourself, or you're maybe a dedicated fan of the featured artist, you don't want to miss this for sure. So what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about Switzerland? Is it synthesizer music? Well. I bet it's not. But if you take a closer look, there are quite a few synth music projects coming from the land of Wilhelm Tell. Among the most prestigious of those projects are the Martin brothers, who are Nicky and Oliver Martin, two brothers from Zurich. I can tell you one thing I've learned from our talk. Those guys really live for the music. And they've got a few nice stories to tell too. So if you want to know how it feels like to shoot music videos on Mulholland Drive in LA while a Japanese tourist group thinks you're part of a Hollywood movie shoot, or how it feels like to almost crash a DeLorean, then stay tuned. But of course, we'll also learn quite a bit about the studio and stage gear of the Martin Brothers and I can tell you there's a whole encyclopedia of synth coming your way. But first of all, let's have some music. Here are the Martin Brothers with a track from their most most recent album Love is Optional and here's the beautiful 80s influenced Heart to Heart. Blossom that 
Welcome to the show. So we've got Nikki and Oliver Martin here, better known as the Martin Brothers. So you're actually brothers, is that right? We are. We still yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should give a little voice sample of every one of you so that we know who's speaking. So who's Nikki? Uh, that's that's me. Yeah, I'm the younger one, but I probably sound a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And then we need we need the voice of Oliver so that our listeners know who is who. Yeah, me. I'm Oliver. Uh, yeah, the older one and a bit the quiet one. The crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> so is it true what I found on the internet that um, 2023 is an anniversary year for you? And may I congratulate on 10 years of Martin Brothers project? It's, uh, I don't know if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than we know. I think it's true, yeah. It's uh, maybe because we don't, we don't really realize that because we had before some other projects uh, going on. That's why. But yeah, it's true. 2013, we start with the project Martin Brothers. Yeah, very cool. So congratulations on 10 years of Martin Brothers. Thanks I a lot. There will be a lot to tell about this time. But hang on, we, we, ha we, we need to get, uh, we, you know, we need to get a bottle yeah. of champagne or something. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, uh, but it's cool. I mean, thanks very much. What what a ride! <laughs> what do you drink in Switzerland? Jager tea or what is it? Uh, usually non-alcoholic drinks. <laughs> ah, sure, sure. That's what I'm used from you, Swiss guys. Only when we are making music, then we need hard, hard alcohol. <laughs> yeah, and, and the only, only boost that you know is in the cheese fondue, right? Then we go for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but let's speak about music again. So, how did your project start? I mean, you're two brothers, and I've imagined you've learned like instruments of some sort and then you've started a project when did it when did it start I, I vaguely remember um, I was back in uh, in Scotland ah. and you know England Scotland and obviously the music musical influence there is uh, yeah the music base oh there is quite huge right so I got really influenced by that and when I came back to Switzerland after working there uh, I thought hey we gotta start something I gotta learn the guitar mm -hmm. and Oliver started off learning the synth and um, we thought let's make a band yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> And so that was the beginning of the Martin Brothers. How did you sound back then? How was the sound of your project back then? Um, yeah, when we start, uh, first was a bit more like uh, a rock band, we can say, that, oh. that we had. I mean, it, yeah, Nicky came back from Scotland with this idea, let's form a band. And uh, yeah, I was crazy enough to say, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then we really had this uh, rock uh, thing going on, combined with synthesizers. And uh, more and more, we go a bit more uh, in a pop direction. We always had uh, this 80s uh, groove. Uh, we are big fans from the 80s music so yeah cool yeah he, he finally got me you know i, I wanted to form uh, the next aerosmith band but he got <laughs> me with the synth so you know <laughs> it was hard for me but i really got into it and i finally uh, you know knew what he was talking about all those years ah uh, very good i mean we've got so many aerosmith clowns out there so <laughs> <laughs> And when I was researching about your duo, I found it super interesting to follow up on your career, um, at least as, as how far I found it on the Internet. And I had the impression that there were quite a few crossroads and changes, um, which after all also brought a new look and style to your project as it is today. And um, I would say today your music sounds 
super convincing, very much like you really love what you do. And when I listen to some of your earlier stuff, I'm sometimes not so sure if there weren't maybe also some external influences reflecting in your music, like maybe a, a record company or a management. <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you do something like that, There are always uh, influences, uh, yeah, from other people, friends, whatever. Uh, yeah, also management labels. And um, of course, when you're a bit uh, younger, you listen a bit more to what other people say. And when you get a bit older, you, don't, you, you really know what you want, right? So, yeah. yeah, it's true. Now we make really what we want. And uh, before, I mean, I think we never make something that we don't like. But of course, yeah, sound was maybe not 100% the sound we wanted to make, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, to add something here, I remember, you know, because we started off, you know, much more like a rock band. And I, well, I have to admit in the beginning, we were almost like a pure 80s band, right? But oh, we didn't do yeah. any covers. So um, we actually had some gigs and people quite liked it. But I remember there was one, like, it was a smaller newspaper here in Zurich, our hometown. Mm -hmm. They wrote about us and they called us, you know, freaks. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and when you are younger, you know, you back then I thought, you know, I don't really want to be a freak, right? So mm -hmm. we want to, so that's probably the reason why we got more into like, you know, mainstream. And then after a while we realized, you know, what the heck, we just do what we love. So that's probably why we changed back. But we, you know, maybe kept some of the pop mainstream influences and now combined that with, you know, the 80s retro stuff we love so much and that's what we you know what you get right now that's what we really love so yeah. and i think your sound now is so cool i really <laughs> love it and every time i play it to somebody they ask me oh that's cool so <laughs> go away with your usual synthwave stuff uh, so that's cool music let's so do it what's <laughs> that <laughs> uh, but let's let's keep a little bit uh, um, at the earlier um, career sometimes when i looked upon uh, your early videos and the, the first album or so i had the impression like if somebody wanted to install Stall you really on a on a big scale. I mean, you've got to work with Grammy Awards winners and um, works on the debut album started in Los Angeles. Music videos were shot in Las Vegas. So, uh, how did it all happen? What was the situation like back then? What was going on? To be honest, I think we were just crazy enough. You know, like okay. we probably spent just all our money. We, you know, worked hard for it uh, to, you know, to make it to the States and uh, invest into music videos and, and everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was, uh, for instance, uh, you know, there, there is a, a really good Swiss music label, uh, Move Recordings. Uh, mm -hmm. We still, you know, sometimes work with them together. They are great, but a lot of, this, of that stuff we actually organized by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we basically were just crazy enough to go over there and you know try to make something happen it, we didn't really have something going on you know on a really bigger scale or someone who you know i don't know sponsored us or something like that or how do you remember <laughs> remember that other <laughs> yeah it was like you you say yeah there wasn't really a, a label with uh, connections to this grammy award winner uh, mastering engineers or something like that but uh, yeah it was crazy enough to 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 write them if they want to mix a song or something like that and uh, yeah that's how we make the connection to these people and uh, yeah it was crazy enough i think this is the point mm -hmm. yeah but, but it's like Oliver said, 
you always pick something up along the along the line, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember we went to Frankfurt. Right, mm -hmm. you're, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're your home country, <laughs> Germany, right? And uh, we met with a, um, a label, which actually still does exist. It's uh, quite an old one. Yeah. And uh, those people were great. And But obviously, you can imagine, as a young artist, you go to Frankfurt, and then you get a lot of ideas and advice uh, from those guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, you know, they tried to bring that in and... So it wasn't probably just us. It's always, you always get some influences from outside. But, you know, as, as older and wiser you get, as <laughs> more picky you are and, you know, choose for yourself what's, what really fits and whatnot. You live and you learn. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, you yeah. learn. <laughs> uh, but after all, you've cracked a few charts with uh, singles of, the, of your debut album, California, it was called, and you've entered the Swiss dance music charts. I've read the German Spotify charts. I think there was also some substantial success in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. So how did it all feel like? I mean, most of us never enter any major charts positions. So tell us how it feels. It was like a blink of an eye, to be honest with you. Seriously, okay. like I remember like when we hit the Spotify uh, German charts, right? That was huge for us. Like, whoa, how did that happen, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember there is like a big dance label in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. And like there was a guy, um, I still don't know how he got my number, right? <laughs> he wrote <laughs> us, I want to I wanna have this track and that track and I, I wanna, I'm gonna send you a contract. But then we <laughs> quite quickly got out of this Spotify charts. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> right? So I never heard back from him. So, you know, it was kind of cool, but it wasn't like uh, we never have made it into the charts, you know, for a longer period. I mean, that I have to admit. So it wasn't just, you know, swimming in success for a long time <laughs> but you know for a short time it was uh, really cool but uh, now we work hard to make that happen again <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and your music is so cool I mean I, and you've got my deepest respect I must say this I've really had thought that there was I don't know a management company also who set it all up in, in America and so on but that you all did it by yourself it, it is really amazing and um, yeah deepest respect for that absolutely Thanks, thank you <laughs> At the very end of the decade of the 2010s, the Martin brothers changed their sound from an EDM-influenced style to a more diverse approach, open for all kinds of influences, and as we can hear in the now upcoming track, also with a serious synthwave twist, singing out loud incorporates influences from the midnight with a super cool pop sound and a flawless production as it is so typical for the Martin brothers. So let the next song be our motto, singing out loud. Thank you. 
that your single So Cold, which was released in 2020, was a kind of a point of reset for the project. Suddenly you you looked a bit different with those super big sunglasses or masks or whatever you like to call it. Shields. And <laughs> what? Shields. Shields, right. Of course. That <laughs> <laughs> no, doesn't matter. You know. <laughs> so what shields are they? Are, are they actual shields you get for some kind of, I don't know, work? Or is it uh, a design which was made for you by a fancy Italian designer? Unfortunately not. And, you know, Oliver can tell you a little bit about uh, about um, the changes we made in the so-called, but about the shields. I just can tell you that much. Um, we pop, synth pop synth wave like the whole the whole neon yeah. stuff and everything that was always very important for us and we really came back with the, um, the Martin Brothers project to like the essence of, of that and so we thought you know fashion wise clothes wise we have to like bring that on stage right so we were looking up in the internet for cool glasses and so we ordered glasses and uh, two pairs right and one was like some really cool 80s but smaller like sports wear glasses okay. and one the other ones were those big shields right and we were going for the smaller ones and we had the first photo shooting and then we also for the last couple of pictures we thought hey why not let's dig out the bigger ones and you know let's see how that mm -hmm. feels and it was like the guy who uh, photographed us was like Man, that's just so much cooler and it's it's just, you know, more and bigger and cooler, I don't know, and more special. So we thought, you know, the day after we thought, you know, let's let's put the smaller ones into the drawer and let's go for the bigger ones. It's just cool. It has that 80s look. It also has that kind of um how do you call that? Um help me. <laughs> A movie movie stuff uh Yes, science, science fiction, fiction stuff, science you know, fiction space, in it, yeah. which we also love, of course, you know, with uh, Blade Runner and all that stuff. So, so we kept those. That was the whole story about the, the shields. I mean, yeah. it looks cool and it fits the music. And talking about music, I really love how your sound has developed over the years. And on the debut album, I would say it was a lot of EDM dance floor influences. Maybe you could compare some of the sound like... David Guetta also. And today your music influences seem to be so much more diverse. And I hear some synthwave, I hear electro funk, indie, electronica, neo disco, <laughs> all lots of influences, really. And in, in my opinion, this makes you one of the most inspiring electronic music projects at the moment. I loved it from the first moment on. And there are tracks like Love is Optional, which remind me 
of bands like Phoenix or Zoot Woman. And there are tracks like Love Lockdown Now, which sounds super funky or um, Can't Stay For Too Long, which brings in that kind of retro 80s kind of pop sound. So um, can you describe the process that led to your amazing actual album? Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like you say in the with the California album was um, yeah a bit more like in this EDM direction and in that time we had to so I remember we had some gigs and it was like in real like EDM clubs. I remember we was there and yeah, Nikki looked at to me and me I looked at to Nikki and we say this is not really what we want is uh, like EDM DJ hands up in the air style. I mean nothing against this but uh, we like with uh, equipment and uh, also with live instruments, guitar, synthesizer. Uh, so we make the decision to really go yeah, a bit back mm -hmm. to the roots. Um, yeah, really what we love to make with, yeah, hardware and yeah, also the sound in the direction that we really love, yeah. And, and and also just one thing about like you know you mentioned a couple of different songs right and it, it, the explanation for that is quite simple because Oliver and myself we pretty much you know like the same stuff but we we work our workflow is usually quite separate when he's working on a song you know I, I give inputs for instance or I make changes and he 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 does the same on my songs but we we have our own ideas and. Of course, by the end of the day, we are all individuals, right? Everybody is a little bit different. And even if you like the same stuff, you know, me, I maybe produce a little bit more mellow, you know, a little bit more um, cheesy, I don't know. And he's a little bit, I would say, maybe a little more, uh, he has a little bit more R&B in his music or in his style. So that's maybe also why you get on one Martin Brothers album, sometimes you know, some quite, quite of a, a variety of different songs. I would say that's probably one reason for it. Yeah, cool. I, I find it super inspiring and uh, it's super diverse and I really love it, really. <laughs> you've, you've already mentioned gigs. And so let's that be our next topic. Um, let's first begin with, with what you've uh, got on stage, at least in one of your stage videos that's out there on YouTube. You might have uh, noticed that we like to talk a bit about gear and stuff on this podcast. And on the first... The first thing that caught my eye on, on your recent uh, stage video that's on YouTube is that beautiful Casio synthesizer. And uh, there's also a Cork Poly 800. And do you really still use those old ladies live or is it just a part of the stage show? We use them, but of course it's uh, more for for the show, for the for the live show, because we like the style. Yeah, yeah to be uh, honest, in the studio workflow, uh, yeah, There I work mostly with um, software synthesizers, yeah. mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm a real, how can I say this, uh, synth <laughs> chunky freak uh, with these old school synths is what I love. I mean, we had a lot of them uh, around Juno 60, uh, yeah, old Cork Yamaha synthesizers. Um, yeah, this is uh, one of my really, yeah, passions. Yeah, and for life, I mean, They look special, cool. I don't know. Also, newer synthesizers uh, can be, uh, yeah, with a cool style, but uh, I prefer a bit uh, the older ones, yeah. Yeah, they were more edgy, right? Not yeah. so 
rounded corners and so on. I also love those 80s stuff. I mean, with me, it's really that, that I am into early digital, like um, the, the early hybrid synthesizers with digital oscillators and analog um, filters. That was really cool. And the, the Casio, I have a CZ3000 and it's, it's a unique sound with a um, face distortion. So I've immediately got the Casio on your stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, this, this what you saw is actually Casio five thousand, right? The ones we ah, have. Cool. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, very heavy, and it. I love the sounds. Mm -hmm. They're they're great, you know. And back then, this is always kind of for me. It's kind of, you know. I always remember those times. We started off making music with about ten of those synthesizers, and Oliver, because you know. Almost every week, there got a new, we, we received a new package from the States because back then there was already a hype, but it wasn't as huge as the right now. So they were a little bit cheaper, right? Uh -huh. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And um, I just remember like Oliver sitting, playing those synths. And we, we've gone through the banks, right, of this. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they're huge sometimes, right? You get easily 100 sounds. And, like, you know, he gone through, and I was sitting right next to him for hours. Like, oh, that's great. Well, you know, we have to write, write that down, or maybe you have to tweak that a little bit. So, uh, you know, you get, get so many great sounds. But obviously, you know, you, you have to connect everything with MIDI. And yeah, sure. uh, it's just the workflow isn't as fast as you can arrange it with plugins. And on the top of it today, you get some really good plugins, some imitations, obviously, of, of, of all those classics. And they, they are not the same. <laughs> and we want to work more in the future with analog synthesizers as we did back then. But it's probably not possible to do that all the time because, you know, it's just very time com consuming. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you need a lot of storage space, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I mean, I've, the, the very first episode in this podcast was with, with uh, Brian Hazard of Color Theory. And he said, hardware is just a pain in the ass. <laughs> <And> <laughs> actually, he's right, because... There's there's uh, there's always uh, I mean issues with hardware and they are not clean on the output and still I like to work with hardware I mean it's there's nothing nothing like it. <laughs> it's true they're they're great and but you know Oliver and myself there was a time back then you know Switzerland right you get uh, you know snow capped mountains so there was like uh, for a few years. Once every once a year, we went up to the mountains. There was a little house. We knew someone and like we locked ourselves in for about two weeks straight and we just worked uh, for the music. Right. Ah, cool. And I remember like we uh, put all those gear in one car <laughs> and like like, it, you know, the car was I don't know. Uh, we hardly made it up there and connected everything. And then one MIDI cable didn't work. <laughs> so. God damn it, we have to, you know, I had to drive back all the way down, <laughs> get a proper MIDI cable and go up back there and let's try and work. Does it work? So, you know, it, when you look back, it, it was really funny, but, you know, you have always a little bit of a struggle with, the, yeah. <laughs> with that hardware. But, you know, it's great. Yeah, very nice. That's the stories that we want to hear on this podcast, right? <laughs> and we have a lot of them. <laughs> but you know, it takes two hours. <laughs> and on this very video where we see the cork at the Casio, there's also an expander and some kind of strange drum machine or so. That's a little bit mysterious. What is that? Uh, yeah, it's a... It's a uh, Yamaha RX-5 drum machine, uh -huh. yeah. And uh, 
Emu uh, sampler. A sampler. Yeah. Emu, cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the money for the uh, emu uh, emulator. That's why uh, I buy this uh, cheaper one. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> super 80s, right? <laughs> Everybody yeah. wanted to have a sampler at the end of the 80s and the 90s. And uh, I remember mm. I was uh, having an internship at a music store and there were those creamy white archive samplers and everyone was very yeah. mysterious about them and telling me like, ah, oh, this is the edge of technology. You can do everything with it. <laughs> Get an oboe in here and then you play it and then you have an oboe. <laughs> uh, golden yes. <laughs> okay, but talking about playing live, that's always a little bit of a tricky story for acts whose music is based on synthesizers to a large extent. So what's your live setup and how do you technically realize a stage show? You, you know, actually, we put a lot of thoughts into that mm -hmm. lately, because this is one of our, you know, Perhaps this question comes up later, <laughs> let's see. But it is one of our huge goals for this year. Um, we can't say, uh, or we don't want to say too much right now, but perhaps, you know, there, you know, let's see. Maybe we get some really cool gigs. And so obviously we had to make, uh, we had to think about it, right? And I think for us, like, we want to put the show, um, you know, up front mm -hmm. right now. So that's because this is how you can compensate, for instance, if, if you have just an ordinary band setup, right? You have a drummer, a bass player, guitar, uh, a singer, whatever. It's, it's obviously a lot easier and people, you know, or club owners, you know, they know what they get. But with us, it's like, okay, but how does that work? And so we really uh, started a concept basically to say, okay, if we have a stage, that stage when we arrive, Five minutes later, you don't recognize mm -hmm. it anymore. So that's our goal, basically. We completely make that our own stage. We take beamers with us, you know, project some, I don't know, alt Terminator <laughs> and, I don't know, Back to the Future clips in the background that perfectly fit to the music. We have our, um, you know, fashion, our style, maybe it's a red suit or whatever, our glasses, gloves and everything. Maybe we take some plants with us, smoke machines, whatever. Obviously, it has to fit together. But you know, like this is how we can compensate. And the goal is always back then when I was younger, I go to a club and then probably want to meet a nice yeah. girl, right? Or, you know, take a beer. And then suddenly someone comes up and you think, oh, damn, what, what's happening right now? Like this completely different, mm -hmm. right? So that's our goal <laughs> and that's our advice to everybody else out there. But I don't know if it's good advice, but it's just how we go for. We want to make, you know, a great show and we want to, you know, we want to have people to um, experience something completely different. And they don't just get two guys, you know, playing on a synth, which is also really nice, right? <laughs> Especially when you play good. <laughs> but, you know, we want to make our own stage basically yeah very cool that sounds really nice i would book you for sure <laughs> if i had a club <laughs> have i convinced you? <laughs> no you know but uh, you know that that's a lot of fun but obviously it's also a lot of um yeah you have to really put something into it you know you have to i don't know organize stuff and but you know it makes fun 
So what's your recommendation for artists who want to perform as a synthesizer-driven music project of some sort? Which locations are right? I mean, only clubs or is it perhaps today like, I don't know, arts exhibitions, vernissage, all sorts of stuff comes to mind. So what's your experiences? Where can you play besides clubs? I think it's open for everything. I mean, yeah, shows like uh, not only clubs can be uh, events like fashion events. Ah. Uh, this can really work fine together um, with cool music. Uh, I like stuff uh, that is, uh, yeah, special, not the usual thing, yeah. Maybe one advice would be, you'd, for instance, for myself, you don't need, for instance, many people mm -hmm. per se. Okay. You know, you can have, as you just mentioned, a vernissage or a fashion event. Yeah, only have 10 people, but if they're really cool or important, you mix it together with a, a cool catering and uh, the, the right music to the right food, right, for instance. So um, there are all kinds of sorts of things you can do. I mean, there is obviously, uh, how is it called, Coachella in the desert, whatever uh, fits. I mean, you can make uh, something happen in the deepest forest, right? I mean, I remember back when we were young, There was in, in Zurich, you sometimes you had those parties in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. um, but it was really special. So always think about, that would be my advice. Think outside of the box, mm -hmm. right? And and think what could would be a good match. And last year, shout out to Denium, the label, uh, we, we had the opportunity to play uh, uh, you know, in a really cool venue uh, for a, a fashion label. And we thought hey, that could fit really well and we actually wanted or that was our hope mm -hmm. that while we are playing music the models you know walk up and down right mm -hmm. and that that was the case and was really cool to, to perform and special because there weren't all eyes on you there were also like there were two things at the same time going on but with the music it fitted really good so yeah, yeah. Everything is possible, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've, I totally dig what you say. And basically, I would say um, that you say <laughs> that uh, you have to look for cool locations, which you can turn into event locations. Is, is that right? I mean, like Synthwave, for example, that's where I would count in myself is totally um, probable or totally suitable for covering like industrial locations. That would be so cool. Like, I don't know, old industrial absolutely. monuments or So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, there was always, sorry, once again, Zurich. <laughs> the, yeah. But, you know, it's a small city, but it, it quite has so, you know, a little bit of, of um, I don't know, clubbing going on. And there is like this huge, as you just mentioned, industrial, um, almost lost space somewhere uh, on the other side of the lake. And like they always had like some great, uh, I don't know, no prodigy never played there. But, you know, like this is this can be a really cool um, opportunity to make something special. Right. And it can also be a really cool seller. I don't know. And which is really dark and you turn it into something special. I don't know, a, a um, lost a swimming pool or I don't yeah. know anything that works. But, you know, that I think that is always a good start to have a, a, a cool location and then form uh, form a, in, an event or a stage set up around this. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. And uh, we uh, will be uh, following you on Instagram. And of course, when there's something, we expect to get great photos, right? <laughs> yeah, that's our goal. <laughs> 
On Halloween 2022, the Martin Brothers released a great music video for their funky song Love Lockdown. Now, I love this track. I can only recommend checking out YouTube and stroll around a little among the fantastic music videos the Martin Brothers have on their channel. I'm very sure if there was still vivid music television going on somewhere, we'd be delighted to see those videos there. But for now, let's just enjoy the music. Here's Love Lockdown Now.
Okay, switching from stage to studio. So which gear do you use most often? And I'm talking about synth and effects, both physical, virtual. We can really get into detail here because this is a synth podcast. And uh, I think most of the people listening um, are also into music themselves and they want to really hear like model numbers and so on. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have really uh, a lot of software synthesizers. Uh-huh. Um, I work a lot with, uh, yeah, with the silent, um, the divas, ah, and diva, yeah. um, there is one that I found very interesting, uh, it's called Knife, um, it's distributed uh, via Plugin Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some like Oberheim emulations, um, yeah, really, really a lot of software synthesizers. I forgot, maybe what I forgot, Nikki. Yeah. Uh, we have Nexus, uh, Nexus too, yeah. obviously the tall, you this know. Juno 60 emulation, yeah. Quite like that one. You know, there are also cheaper ones. Uh, I think Beat Skills recently we bought something. I mean, uh, you from Yuhi, the, the, the Diva, obviously yeah. that's quite a nice one. What you, but you can't open too many sessions with that one because it's... <laughs> it sucks CPU, right? CPU, I'm yeah. just... <laughs> Poly 6, mm-hmm. great one, has great basses, yeah, right? The, the typical Synthwave bass, the Fatline bass, right? That's yeah. Yes, the love that one. Synthwave bass. <laughs> Oberheim, right? The OBXD uh, plugin, uh, retro keys. Uh, you know, we have many, many plugins out, uh, we, we use right now. Yeah, well, well, did, did we forget something? Yeah, there are too many yeah. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't really know with, with which one you want to start when you start a project. Yeah, I mean, you can have too many. That's <laughs> yeah, the problem. Absolutely. I mean, you always have you need to get to know a synthesizer right and because uh, sometimes the possibilities are endless to tweak stuff and we maybe perhaps made the mistake in the past as well that we you know oh cool that's a good a, a good one no let's go for mm-hmm. that one and you know before you even know the other one in detail right so that's also a piece of advice you know just uh, <laughs> try try to um, work with one thing you know uh, until you really know him and uh, and then you can switch yeah i mean that's part of the reason why i like to work with hardware synth a lot because uh, with those plugins you have like 60 plugins and every plugin has like 600 presets <laughs> and you true, can, uh, true, absolutely, you true, can absolutely true, yeah. get lost in there and uh, with with hardware synth especially the old ones it's like 32 presets on, on one synth and then you tweak it a little and you have a prototype sound for a casio right <laughs> true true, uh, that's true true yeah really uh, we want to replug some of the older ones uh, to be honest we also sold some of them yeah sure uh, as i just mentioned because they you know space wise and Sheer endless possibilities, um, but that's what we're working with currently. We also have the smaller uh, cork. Yeah, uh, quite use them uh, mm-hmm. for live gigs if you don't have a lot of space, right? Because they're quite small and handy and easy to carry. You recently mentioned Diva. And uh, I've had a few interviews right now. I think this is the sixth episode uh, when we when this episode will be released. And almost everybody told I've got Diva. And uh, also a lot of people who I'm 
asking at the very end on which synthesizer you would never uh, you would never let go you know they sometimes say ah, i would never let go of diva because it's such a great synthesizer so why is it so special for you so that if, that you continue to use it uh, yeah the, the warm sound right you yeah can. the real analog wipe he has yeah i mean Let's be honest, uh, for instance, The Midnight, we all know The Midnight, right? Absolutely. And uh, we, I got to know Diva because of The Midnight, because they have a session going on where they, how, where they explain how they get the sounds. And uh, there is even a, a The Midnight package on Diva. I don't always work with them, with them right? But uh, that was like so a starting point for me because I quite like The Midnight. Mm -hmm. I think they have some great songs, right? And you always, uh, you know, try to find out, obviously, uh, when you hear something good, what, what, what did they use, right? So, I mean, I just recently heard Mark Knopfler. Sorry, we're, <laughs> I know we're talking about synths, but and like I didn't even know, but he like, he was trying to imitate the sound of CC Top for his big hit, um, Money for Nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the beginning, that's at least that's what I read. So, you know, even the, the big stars, uh, you know, they hear something and then they want to know, hey, how, how did they create that, right? So Diva came from, from, at least for me, came from the Midnight. I like the Midnight and I like the Diva sound. And it's a great thing. And it has almost everything. It has fat basses. It has... Beautiful bell sounds, right? And it has everything. Good, good pants. Yeah, uh, that sounds. I yeah. think for the workflow, is simple to use. Yeah, it's yes, not too simple. complicated. It's also what I like. Yeah. yeah. And so your productions always sound absolutely amazing, really awesome. And I would say it's absolutely on top-notch international level when you hear it. So, do you produce your all yourself, or do you work with producers, mastering engineers, external? People? It was all everything. Did Oliver did everything? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he, no, he he mixed and and uh, mastered everything on his own. Yeah, oh, it's, fantastic. It's your turn. <laughs> I mean, that is really awesome. I mean, it's it sounds so good, really. And I think a lot of Thank artists you. ask themselves: Should I work with a producer, or should I try to learn until I'm that good? <laughs> so, what's your recommendation? <laughs> is it always better to um, stick to your own learning curve, or is it definitely better to reach out to somebody and uh, get some help at some point in your career i think in the beginning is uh, is uh, good when you can uh, give stuff to for example for mixing mastering because then maybe you don't have enough experience uh, that's why we make it also like that but after a while you really know how you want to sound and you really know how your music need to be in every case so then it's i think it's better you can do it alone because then it's really in your hand. Otherwise, yeah, you give it to a mix engineer, he sends something back, then you say, yeah, it sounds nice, but can you make this and this and this a bit different? Uh, yeah, sometimes it was also a bit like... Frustrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why one time, uh, yeah, we make the decision to make it on, on our own. And uh, of course, the starting is a bit difficult because maybe, yeah, you start to mix maybe a song and you think, is this now right or wrong? And I think the decision was also just like use uh, your ears and when it's good for your ears, then it's fine. So it's not mm -hmm. too much like uh, how many kilohertz you have to cut or whatever. Uh, there are some maybe... Yeah, rules. some rules, but uh, the most important thing is, is, is okay for your ears, yeah. Mm. 
And uh, now we know that um, what you have on stage, what you have in the studio, let's talk about selling. <laughs> and you're among the very few artists, I would say, in the synth scene who are not offering music via Bandcamp. Why not? I was really surprised to see that you're not on Bandcamp. Shame on us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what it not is can will, will happen in the future, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, no, uh, uh, that's what we are working on. And, and I think that will happen in the, in the near future. I mean, it's a, well, that's what we mentioned uh, in the very, very beginning, that like we, you know, pretty much do a lot, still a lot uh, by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Music videos, website. We just recently updated our website to a full responsive one. I don't know how many nights I worked on that one, <laughs> you know, alongside um, with, with making music. So, um, but Bandcap is really something we have to catch up on. So probably won't take that long and you have us on Bandcamp too. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the conditions are really good. I mean, um, if somebody buys at Bandcamp, which is uh, unfortunately more rarely the case than at other yeah. um, websites, at least uh, if I look on my own catalog, um, then you really, I mean, get a good turnaround. So that's... That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's something <laughs> we have to push harder, right? If it's fair, then, you know, it's something we have to go for. So... Shame on us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about YouTube, you've really got an interesting and impressive YouTube um, uh, channel. You've got a lot of content there. It's obvious that music videos have always been a passion for the Martin brothers. So what's your impression? How important are music videos these days? Are they just a matter of um, sort of a fan service? Or is there also some way to still make a business with it? One problem I personally have, but it's just a personal problem, is like, Always when I finish a song and I like the song, I think of a music video that would fit and I always already have a story in mind. So Oliver, sometimes I'm a little bit pain in the ass for him <laughs> because, he, you know, he, he sometimes, you know, there's Nikki, there's something else aside to music videos. You know, you still can do, you know, play music <laughs> and whatever. Have a laugh or drink a beer. I don't know. And and I always think, you know, it would be really cool. You know, I, I, for instance, I just finished a Christmas song. I'm a little bit early this year, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and and I already I already have it in my head. You know, I, I already know how you know how I want to make the music video work. And so Oliver always um, ha has to stop me a little bit, uh, and you know. And he's usually saying, you know, one or two music videos in a year, that's fine, but, you know, we shouldn't, do, <laughs> shouldn't overdo it. You can use it for your live show, right? In the background, running. Yeah, for instance, yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. But I'm, I'm, other than that, I think it's pure passion. I, I hope when people, or I, it's cool and people enjoy it too, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's that important. I think live gigs and, 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 uh, By the end of the day, a really good song is quite more important than a than a music video, I guess. So, but it, it's always a good good fun, yeah. But it it also adds to the image. I mean, you're <clears throat> sorry, I got a sore throat recently. <clears throat> no, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it adds to your image, like um, with the shields on and your red um, suits and so on. So that is really impressive in a music video. And I would say that for the Martin Brothers, it definitely adds to the image and the style that we get music videos with that in your YouTube channel. I find it's cool. Cool, thanks. Yeah, uh, it does. It definitely makes sense with the Martin Brothers that every once in a while we have a new one coming up. <laughs> <laughs>
And um, on So Cold, the video for So Cold, you're even driving a DeLorean. Of course, that's a dream for every one of us. So where did you get a car from? Was it just rented or do you actually know somebody who owns a DeLorean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I talked way too much. So, But for this one, I have a little story. And then, Oliver, you're going to go for the next two questions. And I shut up. Uh, but, you know, it was really funny because it, 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 the car itself was just rented, right? Mm -hmm. How was the story like um, to be honest with you hmm, shall I say that here a life <laughs> in the life video but anyway um, the guy we rented it from didn't really know that we needed for a music video right mm -hmm. <laughs> but we knew that we bring it safe home right so we weren't too worried about that. Obviously, a couple of guys helping us to shoot the music video and, and uh, Oliver had to organize something else. And uh, in the meantime, so I went to pick up the car, right? With my uh, friend who helped us for the music video. So, and the clue was that I expected the car to be somewhere outside, right? Just, you know, take the keys and drive off. But it was somewhere in a garage, parked nicely in, in a very, let's say, small garage. <laughs> this, uh, the DeLorean is like, when you know, when you sit in this DeLorean, it's like, whoa, it's so great, but you, you're sitting very low and the steering is very harsh and hard, right? Because it's an old car. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy as with the new ones. So, and also when you push the pedal, Uh, the, the gas. How do you call the it? Gas the gas yeah. pedal, whatever, yeah. Then it, it reacts quite different to a modern car, right? So I was sitting in there, like the guy who we rented it from, he was right next to it. And he like, you know, have a nice trip. <laughs> I turned on the car and like, it was so at a strange to drive. So I took the gear, like the, the back gear, and uh, but I w was pushing way too hard on the gas. <laughs> so uh, we almost crashed the car, right? behind us <laughs> and like this guy was looking at me so he was not sure if he should pull me back off out of the car right <laughs> but then he gave me a second chance I'm a chance and I'm thankful to this day so he he um, then I was Uh, driving very slowly out of this garage, <laughs> no mistake. <laughs> and uh, so that that was kind of funny because I almost crashed the DeLorean, right? And that would be like a pain in the ass, and uh, probably couldn't sleep for 15 weeks, or I don't know. <laughs> you would have been in the newspaper, perhaps, I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> perhaps with the strange glasses, right? Uh, but anyway, Martin um, Brothers crash a DeLorean. <laughs> No, but then everything worked fine and it's a great car and obviously for us uh, like a, a dream come true, right? We have to be honest with you. It's like yeah. back to the future. Absolutely. It's like child yeah. memories. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's reported to be really lame duck. The DeLorean because it's got a uh, not a very strong motor in it. Really, because I drove about 200 miles. Kid, <laughs> 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 just kidding. <laughs> to the owner of this car, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've just confirmed that the DeLorean is actually a, a fast car. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to prove that, you know, <laughs> but just to myself. <laughs> Slowly but steadily, we're going towards the end of this interview. And um, of course, I have to ask you when this is actually an anniversary year for your project, which were the best years, which were the most challenging years so far? The best years, they are coming now soon, I hope true, so. <laughs> true, definitely. <laughs> in front of us <laughs> no everything was great was a great time anyway till now um, to make music is really uh, 
what we love and uh, our passion. Yeah. And I mean, we had so many yeah, funny situations, cool situations. Uh, I don't know where I can start. I mean, yeah, it's just to make music is like uh, also like a dream that came true. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I just remember one thing. The very first music video we shot was for On a Mission. Uh -huh. was in Vegas, that, that, that oh, one. That one and yeah. But it's, it's not the Dancing Girl in the Desert, right? No, no, it was an earlier one, yeah. And we drove across the country for about four or five days. It was crazy, I tell you. And at the very end... To be honest with you, the nerves were, <laughs> the, yeah, let's say it wasn't really party time at the very end. Although we had a good time, but you know, it was, it was really hard condition at the end. I just remember Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles, right? We had the final scene there and like Oliver and myself, we got into a fight. I mean, not in a, into a fist fight, but like verbally, <laughs> right? And we're Swiss German, right? So, and we like in Swiss German, were like shouting at each other. <laughs> Like, you know, what the hell did you do? And I told you, and uh, it's always the same. And uh, I told you two, uh, two days before, we have to think about that and think about this, blah, blah. And then slowly, the one guy right next to us who was shooting with us, like he turned to the other side and showed to us like there was a Japanese, <laughs> I mean, a, a tourist bus with all those Japanese people <laughs> and they were looking at us and they probably thought this, wow, this must be a good scene right now <laughs> going on here. So, you know, that's, that's all those little funny things that happened. When you look back, it's really funny, but at this time we were quite pissed off, to be honest. <laughs> but, but, you know. Must have sounded like, like Klingon language to them. <laughs>
Um, so after all, the Martin brothers are not yet done with the music, I guess. So what are your plans for the future? Anything new, exciting coming up in the anniversary year? Yeah, we, we work on a lot of uh, new projects. Uh, new songs will come out soon and maybe also a new album. Mm -hmm. This is not sure now, uh, maybe for this year or next year. Yeah, there are a lot of projects going on. And uh, yes, especially live, with live gigs, we really want to come up, yeah. Yeah, cool. That's something to look forward to. Very nice. So with every guest at the very end, you will also have to go to the through the painful process of the eponymous five quick questions with five short answers. <laughs> Sorry, we have to go right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You have got to do this. So here they come. If you could only keep one synthesis synthesizer or other electronic instrument and I also mean software which one would it be and why <laughs> iMac if we don't have our iMac it's hard to make music okay. nowadays that's fair enough <laughs> but but apart from that apart from that that yeah I still say the Casio CSET 5000 great synthesizer I would agree <laughs> <laughs> so next one which band or musical project has impressed you the most in the last 12 months Yeah, let's say, let's say uh, our friends from Scotland, Pensacola Mist. Yeah, yeah, I think they dropped a new album last, uh, some months ago. Yeah, right? very nice album. Uh, that is really cool, yeah. Absolutely. Shout out to them. They're, they're hugely talented and um, we had the honor to make a music video with them. And, and they're, they, they are on the ride. And let's mm. see, let's see. They, they maybe have a big future ahead of them. I agree again. <laughs> so next question what would you like your fans to associate with you and your work get entertained I would say I mean for me the most important thing would be you know if we, if we go for a show and people come home and say well okay didn't expect that that was great that would be cool like if when you associate Martin Brothers with a good show a good time that that's for me is most important and now the hardest question probably what would you like your fans to associate a little less with you and your work <laughs> <laughs> mm. maybe our uh, EDM stuff from the past <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> but you know funny funny thing is like now now I, I really doesn't matter anymore for me or never really has but I remember like a lot of people they always when they see us it's the first thing they say is uh, Daft Punk right and I love Daft Punk it's great so it's it's an honor for me you know if someone uh Uh, compares us to Daft Punk, right? But we still are different, I guess. So especially also musically, and um, so that in the early days we thought maybe, oh, okay, but we still are, you know, it's different, right? But you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, people, um, they, they, everyone sees us how they sees us, right? So yeah, it's, up to it's them. definitely <laughs> different. You don't wear helmets, for example. Right? Only shields. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so last question for today. What do you think will be the most important change in the music scene in the next five years? <laughs> good, good question. Um, <laughs> I think maybe this uh, AI... Uh, Artificial, uh, how is it? Uh, artificial, artificial intelligence uh, technique. This will change maybe a lot, yeah. I mean, it's crazy already now. I mean, you get all this uh, advertising, right, for these um, plugins where you can sync something into a mic and the chords get played automatically and stuff like that. It's like crazy yeah. what they already can do. But to be honest with you, <laughs> I still rather, you know, hit the keyboard of a synth. To me, 
I probably will never sing into, into a mic for a chord, but I think there a lot of things will change in the future and probably will make it possible for ordinary people to create a song within minutes without any hustle, I guess so. All right. So then that was the estimation of the Martin Brothers for the music scene changes in the next five years. And I think it's a pretty smart decision to go for it. <laughs> so thank you very much, Nikki and Oliver Martin. Um, hope to hear uh, good music from you in the future. And uh, thank you very much for having been on the show. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, well, all the best for the future. Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having us. Great, great show. Uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. As in every episode, at the very end, please allow a tiny little bit of self-promotion for my own musical project, UAP. I've got a brand new single called City Be Your Monster. It features my dear colleague and partner in music, Katie Tisch, on harmony vocals. You might remember her from our December episode, where she co-hosted the Best of Synth 2022 show with me. The song tells the story of someone who desperately strives to get famous but instead of stardom and bright life he finds loneliness and despair in the big city. Still the message of the song is meant to be uplifting because don't give up. There will be someone who will be able to bring some light also into your life. You will make it together. My name is Rainer and I hope you'll be with me again in the next episode of Let's Talk Synth Seriously. But now here comes UAP featuring Katie Tisch with City be your monster.
Disappear. City, be your monster.